0: we grew up with a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility each episode we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years this episode we will be cracking open the vault and talking about final fantasy 1 and 2 for the nintendo entertainment system i'm chris
1: and i'm katie
0: We've got producer Kyle, producer Lisa in the wings, so let's hop on that chocobo and ride.
1: Let's do this. I was going to say, I can't make a chocobo sound. It's more of, yeah. So we are on episode 10 10, 10, 10, 10. Episode 10.
0: That's really exciting.
1: It is really exciting, which is why we're doing our special episode where we are covering both Final Fantasy 1 and 2, but we'll get into those a bit later. Episode 10 is a special episode, which hopefully you guys had a chance to listen to our episode nine and a half, where we did our big, giant, rose-tinted section, essentially, talking about all Final Fantasy games and what they mean to us. If you haven't, go listen to it. Why haven't you listened to it? It's great. It's fine. Get on the boat. Final Fantasy. Get on the boat. Get on the Chocobo. Talk Final Fantasy. Let's do this. <laughs> this is essentially part one of the follow-up to that episode. There'll be quite a few Final Fantasy episodes down the line, not all in a row. Um, cause that, Thank that'd God be, for that. Uh, that'd be too much Final Fantasying, even cool. for us. We are currently having a debate online with people. Please join us in a social media. As always, there's a post we're talking about what is our favorite generation of Final Fantasy. We've had some interesting responses so far. I always, as if you listen to Nine and a Half, tend to lean for the PlayStation era just because that's when I started. We had quite a few people talk about they love the 16-bit era, the really early era. We actually had someone on the stream say that Final Fantasy II was their favorite of all time. Yes. But yeah, no. So join us in the debate. Talk to us online about them. Listen to the episode and hear our thoughts on it. Um, you can tell which way we typically lean on the conversation. But maybe that'll change after we play all these games. We'll find out.
0: That is true. Yeah, it's been really interesting playing these games and really streaming these games because it's one of those things like how interesting can streaming an RPG be, Not especially? Yeah. What what Lisa said. Producer Lisa is is kind of agreeing that especially some of the early RPGs in the Final Fantasy series it's kind of rough to stream like I don't mind streaming it
1: it's repetitive our RPGs can be repetitive um but if you guys watch some and really liked it whether it's for the content or to see Chris and I go through miserable moments let us know we'll we'll try to do more of it
0: It is a great time to engage with us about the game since we don't really have to pay attention I've decided that next time we do one of these games, I'm going to hop on my bike trainer and just set it up in front of the TV and just ride my trainer while I'm playing the game.
1: I can just imagine, like, this could be a good challenge of, like, do three battles within five minutes or something on the trainer. Right. <laughs> we will create some content out of this.
0: Based on a bunch of the a bunch of the grinding that I was doing and producer Kyle put in the chat, he was like, ironically... I was just running on the treadmill watching this part.
1: We'll see, but let us know. Again, engage with us. We want to hear from you, whether we're streaming, whether it's through social media. We definitely want to hear from you guys. Really appreciate everyone who's been listening thus far. We want to include more reviews. We want to include people talking to us. We just you know, want to hear more often, so please keep doing so.
0: So just as a heads up, we thought it would be a good idea to play... Both of these games at the same time, well, obviously not at the same time, but both of these games for this episode, turns out these games are quite long. So this episode is probably going to be a little bit longer and we're probably going to ramble a lot because there's a lot to cover. So just a heads up, I rambled in the thing saying that we were going to ramble.
1: So on challenging notes and on possibly new content and maybe a new segment of watch Chris miserably exercise as he RPG'd. <laughs> instead, I think it's time for the actual segment of this podcast. Chris, it's time for video game trope of the day.
0: A trope of the day, 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 day. day, day.
1: Yes, that might be my favorite ever. <laughs> oh my god.
0: I had to I hold it in. I that was so
1: good. I'm very happy right now. Yeah. 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 Um
0: That was wonderfully spontaneous too. It was like halfway through it was like, "Where am I gonna got it? Got it. Run."
1: <laughs> that was beautiful. You caught up with your mouth. The yes, yes. Yeah. You will never top that. Ever. No. <laughs> That's true. Back on subject. <laughs> So, as is the case with all of our video game tropes today, today's trope is heavily ingrained in our episodes' games. It's what I'm calling the rags to riches trope, but more specifically, a broken economy when it comes to money in games. So, Chris, tell me a little bit more about this. What am I talking about?
0: So, it's kind of that feeling that you see, especially in uh, RPGs, where early game the economy is awful everything costs a ton of money you can't afford it and you just have to grind your way to more money so you you can not even buy stuff just to be able to do things like save or just do quality of life things in the game like heal yourself anything like that and then all of a sudden and it's it's not even like a a switch but with Without you even noticing, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I've got all of the money in the world and nothing to do with it.
1: Yeah, and that that's when you end up buying random stuff because you can, not because you need it. And that's because, like, the interesting thing, like, a lot of these games, you end up getting, like, the best weapon of the game from a box, like, from a treasure chest. And then right. the ones you can buy are way below that. But you still end up buying them anyways just because they're there.
0: And a lot of times this is from bad game design, honestly, because uh, the term is like a, a money sink. Like good games have a good money sink towards the end game. So you have something for those coins, for that gill, anything like that. Like you saw in Super Mario RPG, even if the number of or the amount of gold that you could get was so tiny... You could still buy items that were really really expensive so you had that way to spend them but you've got games that that don't have that so all of a sudden you're maxing out on money and you're like what do i do like there's no point on getting money anymore
1: yeah the broken economy can apply to a lot more terms and that's definitely something Mm -hmm. that pops up in a lot more games i think the way we're describing it is just mostly found in rpgs both eastern and western it is in all rpgs it's just a habit they seem to have but mm-hmm. you know you have a broken economy this is things like in mmos what the term mudflation of the idea of just more and more money just keeps pouring into the world and there's no kind of recourse for it because the way the games work is more of that whatever resource keeps pouring into the world and so things just get insanely expensive to try to make up for it but it's not in an authentic way um so it's not something like you're saying just now of grinding to that really high item it's just we're upping items because there's no other choice because there's so much of the resource around to buy things
0: it's weird how that works in the end game where like there's so much money that it almost ruins the entire game design if the devs aren't careful
1: you know it's interesting this is an example we when before the we were recording we brought this game up as an example and i'm just thinking there's there's actually it this game might have addressed a little bit the fable games you absolutely had that same because it's an rpg you absolutely have that Mm -hmm. same thing where you get so much money but i believe it's fable is it fable two or three one of them you can actually beat the game with money essentially one of the options to beat the final like scourge that's coming towards you is to hire an army And Mm -hmm. so you can either the way you hire the money is either you tax the heck out of your people and they hate you or you don't tax them and you risk not being able to beat the final scourge that's coming to you. Or there's actually a whole play the real estate game in fable and earn money that way. That's something that like a lot of people start using in the game as well. So you can be a good guy and still earn money. But that's how they kind of made up for if if you earn a ton of money, there actually is an end goal of final but I feel like that's really unusual and even then they still make it a goal pretty early on that you have to get the gold, or that it is a good idea to get the gold or the money Mm -hmm. whatever it's called in fable um, as opposed to you just happen to have a ton of it yeah so overall though a broken economy is so common in so many games I called it rags to riches because it was more of that the very beginning of the game you have rags and by the end you have so much money you don't know what to do with it This Mm -hmm. happens in so many different games, and it it sometimes doesn't matter, but it can be very frustrating if you you had to grind for three hours to buy that one sword, and then later in the game, you have so much money, you're just buying shields to throw away. Like, it's just really frustrating when that happens.
0: I'm going to complain about the economy in at least the second half of... this current episode we'll
1: we'll definitely get there there's there are words and thoughts and feelings um but i think that just about covers our video game trope of the day
0: trope of the day Woo! not nearly as exciting on the outro
1: no i don't know how to make it exciting
0: So we're kind of breaking the mold here with this episode. We're not going to do a rose-tinted segment. Uh, If you want to hear our rose-tinted segment for the entire Final Fantasy series, go back and, as we said, listen to episode nine and a half. But this episode, we are purely going to concentrate on Final Fantasies 1 and 2 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. It wasn't a video game console because Nintendo was terrified after the Atari crash of E.T. But that aside, Katie, what could you tell us about Final Fantasy? The first Final Fantasy.
1: Final Fantasy, uh, as... You said is for the NES originally in 1987. Um, it was developed by at the time Square, who we now know today as Square Enix. Back in the day, was also SquareSoft. They've evolved multiple times. They're like a Pokemon. They're now we think in their final stage. After it came out on the NES, there were a lot of iterations that Square put out for a lot of different systems. I'm not going to go through all the dates of when all those different iterations came out. The big one I will note is that it came out on the PlayStation as part of the Final Fantasy Origins collection in 2003. That is the version that Chris and I played, so it is a partial remake of the game. They did update the graphics and everything, but they updated them to like 32-bit instead of 16-bit, essentially.
0: For what it's worth, I tried to play on the original NES version, and we'll get to that. Yeah. But mostly we both played on the PlayStation version.
1: Besides the PlayStation, it also came out on the Game Boy Advance, on the PSP, on iOS, on Android. Like, it has come out on multiple systems multiple times. They've redone this game multiple times. You've probably seen it. Overall, of course, this game, you know... unsurprisingly considering it spawned a revolutionary series this game was well ranked and well received by the critics but lower than you would think it got an aggregated score of a 79 for the nes version according to game rankings metacritic didn't have the nes version they only had the playstation version which also ranked it a 79 but game rankings ranked the playstation version at 81 so that's kind of an interesting little upgrade they did actually acknowledge that it got better than the original playthrough on the playstation version but like it it, it sold really well even if these ratings i think that's again with we find with video games it's more important how well games sold sometimes and how well it was received and at the time it sold a ton they reported that between the japanese famicom and the MSX release, it sold a combined 600,000 copies. And in North America, it sold another 700,000 copies. So, and this is in the, you know, 1987. That's insane. That, it sold yeah. really, really well. They're, they estimated as of March 2003, so after uh, they released the PlayStation version, they had shipped 1.99 million copies worldwide. Um, so, it, yeah, it was a very, very popular, well-received game, which, again... It's not surprising considering it spawned a one of the most revolutionary series out there. And just in case you are unaware, um, I did say the Japanese Famicom, that is not a new system that you've never heard of. That in fact is the Japanese name of the NES because as Chris said for the American name of NES, they didn't want to call it a video game system. They also didn't call it a video game system in Japan. Famicom stood for family computer. So there are a bunch of Fun facts out there about this game. Of course, this game has spawned so much conversation. I think some of the interesting ones come from, and we've made this joke on the stream if you watched some of the titles of our stream of the name of its Final Fantasy for the first time. It's the first final. The fact that there are multiple final fantasies. There are a couple of reasons for the name of the game. First of all, the director, Hironobu Sakaguchi, he basically had wanted to make an RPG for years, but Square kept telling him no because they kept saying it's not going to sell enough It's not going to sell enough. Finally, Dragon Quest, which is another long-running Japanese RPG, sold really, really well, and it was a hit. And so that convinced Square to allow him to do a version of an RPG, and he created what we now know as Final Fantasy. I think the interesting thing, again, the reason I bring that up is the reason they also finally gave him permission is because they weren't in a great place. (laughs) So... The, the original name of the game was going to be too close to a tabletop game, fighting fantasy, so he needed to change it. And so he chose the word final because he said it represented two things. For him, it was, if this game doesn't work, I'm leaving the gaming industry forever. So it would be <laughs> his final game. Uh-huh. And on the other end, Square was struggling so much at the time that if the game failed, they'd probably close. So it would have been their final game. So that was kind of the play on Final Fantasy. It was possibly both his career and the studio's final game. So they was funny Final Fantasy, which is kind of ridiculous. You tried to play it the first time when you were trying to do this playthrough. You did try to play it on the NES Classic because there is a version on there. It is the NES version.
0: I made it maybe five, six hours into the original version. Mm-hmm. And then got annoyed and switched over to the PlayStation version and caught up to that point in about two and a half hours. for for a couple reasons but
1: yeah, but it's amazing how much you don't realize the little things help like being able to walk fast.
0: Being able to walk fast and the text speed, yeah just scrolling through text was so painfully slow on the Nintendo version.
1: We'll talk a little bit of in, in the next segment when we actually start breaking it down. Um, but really, because this isn't a game we played as kids, this is the game we are playing as adults for this, we are going to focus on the PlayStation remakes. So any of those early errors aren't going to show up in our game version. So it is something important to note is we did play the PlayStation versions and not the NES versions at the end of the day.
0: There was a couple of people on Twitch that interacted with us that are super hardcore about the Final Fantasy series and, and play through the originals.
1: Mm-hmm. On, like, NESs.
0: Yeah, not even the the mini or anything like that. Like, the original hardware. It's like, man, good on ya. Yeah.
1: We're, we're not that dedicated, apparently. No. But anyways, I think that's enough good background on the game. Let's get into the actual game itself.
0: Yes. What can you tell us about the plot of Final Fantasy?
1: So, to be fair... And I'll I'll get into more on my feelings on this later in, in a little bit. There wasn't necessarily a ton of plot plot of this game I found. So you basically start off and you get to pick your four warriors. There are classes that you can go through. There are six different classes that you can choose from the start. But you pick four of the six to make up your party. And then you go into the world and you wander into a kingdom and you meet them. You find out their princess is missing and they're like, oh, four random warriors. You might be the warriors of light. If you are, can you go rescue our princess for us?
0: She's in another castle.
1: Yeah, she literally is in another castle. Um, Or cave. She might be in a cave, to be fair. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But so you go and you rescue the princess from... Basically, the guy who used to be her protector, there's her knight named Garland. He was her protector. Now, for whatever reason, he decided to kidnap her. And so you go and rescue her. And it's it's really that easy in that first plot. You bring her back home, and the king's like, you are the warriors of light. Now you have to save the world because reasons.
0: Because prophecy.
1: Because prophecy. And, And literally, you just basically have to go around and you you find out that there are four crystals that you need to co- collect in order to save the world from the looming threat and so then you wander the world and you go and you you go find the different crystals in different parts of the world there's the four there're four elemental crystals it's earth, wind, water and fire
0: now i've got earth, wind and fire yeah. stuck in my head
1: yep
0: yeah. yep yeah. yep yeah. uh yeah.
1: so you you're trying to find where the crystal is you're sent to an elf prince, he's supposed to have a good idea of where that is, and he has a key that will let you into special treasures to get you nice items. But he's asleep. But he's asleep for some reason, so then you have to figure out how to wake him up, and there's a witch who will wake him up, but only if you get her your, her crystal eye. It's a bunch of fetch quests, basically. Because then you go get her her crystal eye, and then so she gives you a potion to wake him up, and he gives you the key, but he also gives you an item to get this giant out of the way so you can move on, because he wants to eat gems, so you have to go to this cave to find him to get gems. Yeah, it gets in there.
0: <laughs> We haven't gotten any of the orbs yet.
1: No, and that's even before you get crystals.
0: We're like nine hours into the game, and we've gotten zero of the four orbs.
1: Crystals. They're crystals. Crystals.
0: I keep calling them orbs. They're Crystals.
1: At this point, you're about halfway through the game. You're just getting out of the first section of the world, and you're finally getting the crystals. So you proceed to go to the four different caves, basically, or four different areas that get you the four different elemental crystals. Each are protected by a particular monster. So these are classic monsters. A lot of times you do fight a vampire. You f- you fight a lich. You fight Bahamut. So that's exciting.
0: You don't fight Bahamut.
1: Yes, you do. No, oh, no. You don't. no, Bahamut helps you. Yes, Dang correct. It. It's Tiamat you fight. You fight Tiamat, other dragon.
0: Yeah, Tiamat, which was a magic card, by the way. We'll, we'll talk about the amount of magic that crept into this game. What did, what did they call them? It's like the Earth Fiend came out, and then the Fire Fiend came out. So it's like over the course of, of history, all four of these elemental fiends came out. So it's your job to go fight them and then get the crystals from them so you can restore the crystals, restore the elemental balance.
1: To the world. And so, yeah, so you fight these classic magic card D&D monsters. Mm-hmm. You also run into Bahamut for the first time in Final Fantasy, so he becomes a longtime player in Final Fantasy games.
0: That was really exciting, actually, meeting Bahamut. Like,
1: it was. Yeah. It, it is really cool. It was kind of like, hey, I know like that's where we first see him.
0: Coming from the the more modern Final Fantasies, where it's like, oh, I get to talk to Bahamut? Like, that's really neat.
1: They explain that Bahamut is the king of the dragons. And so you're like, yeah. oh, this is cool. And so finally, once you get all four of the crystals, but finally, all four crystals open up a portal to the past and you get sent back to the past 2000 years. And then you have to finally fight the guy who basically summoned the fiends to the world to destroy it. And it turns out, after all of this, it was Garland, the knight that stole the princess at the very beginning of the game. And he basically explained that you created a time loop by killing him then, that he got sent to the past to then send the fiends to the future to then start the whole process. And it's a forever eternal time loop. And then finally you kill him and end the paradox and you don't exist anymore. And that's the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I actually thought that was really, really interesting. Like it came totally out of left field, but it's like this classic gather the four things. And it's like, all right, go back in time, I guess. But it's like, so we made this weird positive feedback paradox loop because we did that
1: and then you break the paradox and you never existed they just have a sense that there are great heroes out there that saved them which is baffling for some reason that you just never existed and that's your reward for the end of this game which is kind of interesting why none of the characters in this game came with names there are no named characters in this your heroes that's why you get to pick whatever class you want and i think that's why they could easily delete them from history i guess
0: (laughs) And all of the names, at least in the Nintendo version, could only be four characters long. So if you were like me and try to put in your name, which is Chris, you run out of characters. So your name is Chris. And I was so confused by that. I was like, what do you mean I'm done? Like, what?
1: And to be fair, then you proceeded to name another character after your loving wife, who ended up being the worst character in the game.
0: We're not going to talk about that right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now that we have a basic understanding of the game as much as you can of a game like this, Chris, tell me a little bit about some of the mechanics from the game, some of the base mechanics of how this game ran.
0: So the mechanics are, and it's funny because I wrote it in in my notes when I started playing, it's like, man, this has a lot of those like stereotypical RPG elements. I think I said this in episode nine and a half. It's like, oh yeah, it's just standard how this works. It's like, well, I guess it's standard because they did it first, so... ...credit where credit is due. So, it's it's a turn-based RPG. So, your mechanics are walking around the overworld... ...and talking to people, you know, doing business in towns, buying stuff... ...getting plot important items, info... ...stuff like that, and then you go into the overworld, and you find, like, random battles, as you would... ...and that breaks you into a different screen, where it has your four characters... And, you know, you're taking turns, doing damage, getting damaged.
1: The next thing to talk about with the mechanics is the way magic works in this game, which is a bit different than what I think a lot of people are used to when it comes to magic. So instead of having, there's no mana or MP in this game in a traditional sense, it's very D&D in the sense that you are given a certain amount of spells at the first level, and the spell slots at the first level, and a certain amount of spell slots at the second level. And then once you get that spell, it will say, okay, you have five first level spells and four second level spells. And that's how your magic worked is you have to base it around those slot, spell slots. It was, it's very D&D in that sense. It, there wasn't mm-hmm. a communal pool of even your character's MP or magic. It was individual spell slots per level.
0: And you could only have like four spells per level, I think.
1: Three, three per level.
0: But yeah, it was it was super interesting that there was no, as you said, no MP. It was literally, you could cast a spell uh, X number of times. If you level up, you could cast it a couple more times.
1: So I talked a little bit about how there are six classes you pick at the beginning of the game. The six classes are, how many can you name, Chris? Go.
0: So there was uh fighter slash, fighter was the uh, original NES version. They changed it to warrior. Yeah. In in the PlayStation, that was the first one. Then there was a thief, and then there was a, a black belt slash monk. So black belt was the NES monk. So I guess as you go back, warrior is your your knight person. Thief is like high evade whatever. Roguish. Um, roguish. Yeah. You couldn't steal anything like no. in future future games. Uh, black belt slash monk was your unarmed high um, high HP, yeah, multi-hit class, and then you had three magic classes, unlike what we see kind of going forward. You had the white mage, the black mage, which we talked about uh, last episode, those very stereotypical classes, and then you had a red mage, which could do kind of both classes of spells, the white and the black, not as well, and he was also kind of a fighter, so he could wield swords and wear a little bit of armor so it was kind of that in between yeah nice class
1: right but they don't explain really any of that to you when you're picking them
0: no they don't
1: and so you literally when i talk about the the magic and only certain people can learn magics and how everyone else gets zero zero you would find out spells that you just can't buy period end of discussion you yeah. can't get them can't use them no none of your people can use them and if you don't have a white mage you don't have cure until two-thirds of the way through the game which yeah. I don't know how you play.
0: The original NES game, by default, your layout is a warrior, a thief, a black belt, and a red mage. So you just don't have a white or black mage by default. And if you're not like if you're not looking around, like if you're if you're like me playing the game for the first time, you're like, sure, let's go with this and it's like, What do you mean there are these other classes? I should have read the manual.
1: Yeah. The PS1, the base party was a warrior, a thief, a white mage, and a black mage, which is what we went with.
0: Even after, so we should talk about. Uh, you get to a point in the game,
1: about two thirds of the way through the game.
0: Two thirds of the way through the game, you talk to Bahamut, and he essentially levels you up. So all of your your classes kind of upgrade to a new class. Like the the warrior becomes the knight, the thief becomes the ninja, the black belt becomes the master. Uh, uh, stuff yeah, like that. that. Red, Ma- red mage becomes the red wizard, and then like your white and black white mages, mages white become wizards. wizards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, And then they have access to more spells. Correct. And unlike in later games, in pretty much all the later games that I can think of, whereas magic, you can evolve magic yourself. Again, as we talked about, you have spell slots. You have to buy just different levels of magic.
0: And also the range of those spells, and really, kind of going aside, the range of spell damage healing and an actual physical damage. That range was so huge. It felt like there was so much RNG in this game. That was incredibly frustrating.
1: I think another important mechanic of this game is how you save. Ugh. In this game, you you say the only way to save your game, in the especially in the original game, was to go to an inn and pay money and save the game. Or have a tent or a cottage, which would also save. Which people.
0: you had to buy with money. Which you had
1: to buy. is so dangerous, if you think about it. If you were dying yeah. and you had to pay to resurrect someone. Yeah. So you could have one member left struggling, not have enough money to save, and you're doomed. And I think the really interesting thing about that is this was the first game for the nes that could save like this they built a special like battery for the cartridge so it was mm-hmm. able to save the data so much so that in the guide and in the game itself there was a warning that was like hold that's right you power yeah. down in order to make sure your battery doesn't get messed up thank you it,
0: it and- completely broke the fourth wall and just literally told you
1: yeah
0: and and it's funny when you're when you're going back and playing like the classic version or whatever. Yeah, it's like hold the reset button and then hit power. Yeah. Or else you're gonna, I guess, power surge the battery and the cartridge. They were worried
1: about that. And that's what's yeah. kind of fascinating. That's how revolutionary this game was though. You couldn't save before that on games, which we know, like we talk about that's why there's games, the difficulty of having to play those games on a live system and the the codes that you would do to jump around instead of being able to save mm. mid game. So this game had it, but you only could save in the ends, which in later games, you can pretty much always save in the overview world. And sometimes there's save points and stuff like that, but only in the ends in this game or in cottages, as I said, So that's kind of an interesting thing they added in the version we played um obviously if you have the nes classic you can save scum it but in the version we played they had something called a memo Mm -hmm. which is a temporary save file so it basically was like you can't actually save here but as long as you don't reset your system it's saved to this point and we'll just remember it and bring you back so that was kind of an interesting thing that they added to the playstation version because otherwise it would have been really hard to go as long as you did in this game not saving sometimes cuz sometimes you're just not in a town. You'll go through dungeon after dungeon and dungeon without hitting a town necessarily, and that would mean you're not saving the whole time.
0: It felt like a lot of times where any battle could absolutely be your last battle. And I I attribute that to, you know, them kind of getting their their legs and trying to figure out how this whole genre worked, but it just felt so random and and incredibly unbalanced in a lot of places
1: yeah and i mean we're, we're kind of getting away from the actual like just begins the game and starting to get into our opinions and i think oh, that yeah. is, this is a good time <laughs> to do that no i think it's a good time to do that because we've talked enough about it to be fair
0: yeah it's a typical turn-based rpg it is i again as i said it's your stereotypical turn-based rpg but that's because
1: they did it, was it like one of the first yeah. It forced you to do so much extra stuff, and it never told you any of this directly. No. You had to figure this out. You didn't know, like, you were just wandering when they're like, go find the next crystal. They didn't tell you where to go necessarily. They kind of gave you general directions sometimes. But there were a lot of times that Kyle and I were just like, where are we going? What are we doing?
0: And I think that's what me stumbling over the plot part of that was because I was using the guide. Not, I, I keep saying guide, I mean manual. Literally, well, the manual that comes with the game was walks like you through. Pages. Yeah, it's huge, and if you spend the time, and we've we've mentioned this before, I miss guides like this. It gives you background. Oh, this is it more tells than those you, kind
1: of guides. This, this, oh, yeah. This was a walkthrough guide. The yeah, original, it
0: they walk you through like at least half of the plot. Yeah, it
1: basically walked you through the first half of the game, telling you exactly where to go and what you should do and who you should like. It hints to you, you should talk to these people. Yeah, and we weren't trying to use the guide in the same way. Cause we're like, no, we're stubborn. We want to play it the authentic way of not reading the guide until we realized the authentic way might've been to read the guide because it told you so much information, Right. things like Kyle and I missed a whole section that wasn't crucial at the moment, but we missed where they told you how to access the world map. So we went like six hours without knowing how to use, open the map.
0: I will say the map in the NES version was terrible and practically <laughs> useless <laughs> like, you are better off, and I did this a bunch of times, just making your own maps. Which I kind of enjoy every once in a while. I, I made a bunch of my own maps, especially for the dungeons.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so it's just, it's things like that, that you they learn to improve, obviously, in later games. The idea that you only had a potion that only healed 20 HP, even when later in the game, you're getting hit for like 200 HP. And the, yeah. the best healing potion you ever get is 20 there were no high potions there was nothing above that there were no ethers as I said there were no phoenix downs so the only way to be revived was when you finally get enough high enough spells for life which was late it was was quite late yeah or you go to a church every time and again pay Mm. to have someone revived
0: it was yeah it's in the late game you would just have to buy you would have to max out the potions and get 99 potions
1: so you had to be super conservative with it
0: so once you, once you were grinding through dungeons, yeah, you were, and it was just the amount of time I spent just using potions. It's like, all right, I need to use literally 10 potions to get this person up to full yeah. health.
1: So, and that's an interesting thing, again, that came in a later game mechanic. And this is something Chris never ran into. And I think this just purely happened because he played easy mode to get through it faster.
0: We should We should touch on that.
1: In the PlayStation version, there was easy and normal mode. Uh-huh. Chris played easy. We played normal. The biggest difference is he got way more spell slots than we did. So like, many
0: more spell like, slots.
1: I think at max, we had like 10 on our lowest level, and Chris had like 25 at one point. No, it was more
0: than that. I had like 60, 60 heal I think ones. we had like
1: 10 as the max. Honestly, ever. that
0: made the game playable well, like I'm, i was looking at that yeah like uh, looking at the easy versus normal and and easy also i think you leveled up faster you got more gold
1: and that was the thing though so the way kyle and i got through it because we were so limited in spell slots we still didn't have that many items like 99 potions you can go through real quick so quickly yeah and so there are items later in the game that they can grant you a spell and so it'll be like the wand of healing. Yes. Whoever's using this heal, which is a basic, you know, healing spell for your whole party. It's a reusable item that you can use once per battle round, and it'll anyone basically can cast magic. And so this gave opportunity to people who don't normally have didn't, magic spells. did magic. Yeah. Can you? And you didn't have to buy the magic. You could just use the magic spell slot, and that was the we spammed those. By the end of the game, it was the only way we survived was by spamming these items. Hmm. But yeah, the struggles like the, just the 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 absolute grind the last dungeon was, and this comes back to that save mechanic in every well, not in every in a lot of RPGs you'll have that last grind that there isn't a lot of saves and before yeah. you f- beat the game. But in this particular case, it was a very hard maze-like dungeon that yeah. took Kyle and I. We recorded this down almost three hours.
0: It's long.
1: It's so long, and yet if we hadn't had like a memo, as we said, we would have been in so much trouble because Mm -hmm. we would have had to go back. It would just, it would have been brutal. And that's just the way older games were, but like, Oh God, it would have been brutal.
0: It was. And I almost hesitate to call it a grind too, because it was just, I would call it a slog. It was, did it feel like the random battles were so much more prevalent than in newer games? Like it felt like I was hitting a random battle every two or three steps like I know there were certain places where you could there were pre-baked battles which as an aside yeah you hit those those predetermined battles on a certain square in the dungeon yeah Yeah, tile and if you left and came back you had to fight them again even if it was a boss you had to fight the boss again
1: yeah And yeah, so we actually in our playthrough notes, we specifically were like, We're running into a lot of random battles. So many. And like and it and it just it was like there was one time like I was playing through and I got stopped like seven or eight times before we could get back to the village and I was getting so frustrated. And Kyle went and did the same area and stopped like twice. And it was just luck. It's just pure luck. But the other thing was the, the thing that killed me about a lot of those random battles is if you're in a certain area, as much as they were a random battle, the makeup of said battle was the exact same three monsters, like, every single time sometimes. There was no variety in it, which made it almost worse, and it made it more feel like a slog, because you, you felt like deja vu if I'm doing the exact same battle over and over and over and over. Yeah. But overall, I think... That was one of my my big complaints with the game. I mean, it was just a slog at times. But I also didn't feel very compelled with the plot because no one told us except for there's something going on and you're a hero, go for it. And I just felt like there wasn't a lot of push on this. It was weird. Like, I just didn't... I think the twist that it was Garland all along was kind of interesting. That was a twist of like, hey, remember that guy you killed at the very beginning of the game? You started a time loop by doing that.
0: That was super interesting. I thought the rest of the plot, yeah. cool.
1: Everything else? Eh. You know, overall... You can see again the bare bones of a Final Fantasy game in there. Like, yeah. there's obviously this is the what started the series. You can see why enough people bought it, why it was so popular.
0: They they laid the groundwork for for things. Uh, I think I said last episode things like status effects, like yeah. you were poisoned or you venom were...
1: or paralyzed or darkness. But yeah, I mean it's things like this game set a lot of standards for the industry. Yeah i think a a quote i found earlier while i was trying to look for reviews of the game was and this was a modern day quote to be fair is Mm. final fantasy was one of the most influential early console role-playing games and played a major role in legitimizing and popularizing the genre and that's the truth even if this game didn't create some of these tropes essentially right they popularized them they are this game is what brought them to the mainstream to such an extent that they are what they are today and that's kind of the interesting thing
0: and and this is so weird because again this game came out in eighty seven. We're in a weird place again because we played this game so much after it came out and probably uh, influenced a lot of things, but still drew influence from just like high fantasy D anD D, probably stuff like that. Like, but I ran into things like a uh, basilisk or a cockatrice, and it's like I knew because. And at least for me it was playing Magic the Gathering which didn't come out until like the mid 90s. It's like these things are going to turn me into stone. So it's that weird it's that kind of blending of of fantasy like they drew a lot of those fantasy tropes and influenced a lot of later fantasy tropes and stuff like that. I thought it was it was it was really cool to kind of be like, oh neat.
1: Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it, as I said, this is there was a lot of parts of that game that you could definitely see were influenced by Dungeons and & Dragons. And I think that is true because Dungeons & Dragons, I just looked it up, came out. The very first Dungeons & Dragons came out in 1974. And by time this game was published, there was the original set, plus the advanced set, plus the basic second version, plus the basic third version. Mm-hmm. So, like... It wasn't the, like, I think the most, it was two of the more obviously the most popular editions now are the fifth edition, which is the newest. But uh, 3.5, which came out in 2003, was another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point is, there, there was a lot of d d still. Even though it's not the modern ones we know today, there was a lot of d d that was out there already. And I, it, you can absolutely see its influence. But you have to also look, you know, the influence of, like, Tolkien and everything. Like, the way that they treat yeah. certain things, I'm sure, came into the game. But, like, Tiamat is definitely in Dungeons & Dragons. Yes. And, you know... And that was the first time you know Kyle and I encountered Tiamat was in Dungeons and Dragons. So when it popped up in this game, we were like, "Tiamat, goddess of the dragons, she's evil! Oh no! Oh no! She's gonna wreck us!" Oh Um, no! uh, And that's it. It is interesting the the influence of Western and Eastern fantasy on these games. Um, There's definitely a very heavy Western influence on this game, considering it was you know created in Japan. But there's obviously a Western influence. But it's it's cool that in fantasy. And in the early Final Fantasies, at least, they kept some of those those aspects that existed back then. Um, the other thing is, and as yeah. a player of the Final Fantasy games and going back to play old ones, with Final Fantasy, even though it's not a true sequel when you see the next game, most of the time there are, of course, exceptions, you still know how to handle some of these monsters no matter what game you're playing, because it's the same monster in a bunch of games. And we said that in 9.5, yeah. that there's a comfort level. But I didn't realize how much of the comfort level was going to be coming from fantasy in general. Than just right. Final Fantasy. So that's kind of that was a really cool part of this. Can you
0: know? we talk about how broken the airship was? We talked br- very briefly about walking around on the overworld, and then you would go into uh, a town or a dungeon, which would break out into a bunch of more maps. But like to get around the overworld, one you couldn't run, which was really annoying, even if you could run in the towns. But at some point, you got like uh, you got a ship to be able to go through like oceans and, and seas, and, then and then at canoe. some point you got a canoe that looked like a rowboat, so you could go on, like, cross streams and stuff like that. And then you got an airship, which completely invalidated literally everything else, because you could just go everywhere faster and you wouldn't have random encounters.
1: But it's the first time, you know, you see an airship, which becomes a theme, to be fair, in Final Fantasy. Almost every Final Fantasy has an airship.
0: Yeah. And it pretty much has the same effect where it just completely breaks getting around the world. Yeah. I think, I think producer Kyle had a good point where it's like, look at this huge map that we built and, oh, who cares anymore? You've got an airship. Let's fly around.
1: Absolutely. And you, cause you could suddenly, what took you forever to walk across, suddenly you're done in two seconds.
0: Which uh, you see that all over the place. You see that in wow with, once you get your first flying mountain, wow, it's like, oh, you've built a nice landscape. Don't care. Flying over it. What's below me. Don't care. Are you a dungeon? Nope, don't care.
1: Yeah. And and to be fair with the number of random encounters as we mentioned in this game, it didn't encourage you to walk. Oh yeah. So so yeah, so I think this is a good overall look. You can kind of see, you know, we we I can, you could see the bare bones of Final, Final Fantasy game. You can see why they built off of this game and made the series it was. Absolutely. And so it's time to move on to the second game of the episode. Final Fantasy 2, the game that was universally rated as the worst Final Fantasy game.
0: Unless you're that one guy on Twitch.
1: Yeah, by every list we saw out there, except for that one guy on Twitch who said it was his favorite. Please reach out again. We want to hear.
0: I know. Please tell us why. I I feel so bad that I missed it. I came back from a break and all of a sudden there's a comment that said, this is my favorite game ever. And it's like, what do you know? What, what am I missing? Please inform me. Oh, you're so, gone. Um, Come back, stranger.
1: So let, let, let's let get into it before we get into why it broke us a little bit. So this is Final Fantasy 2. It is actually, you know, number two and like one we keep referring to as one, but it really was just Final Fantasy. Um, yeah. So this is Final Fantasy 2. It came out a year and a day after the original on the NES again. Um, Which is incredible,
0: so, by the way.
1: Yeah. the That fact they, they could turn out, this, out that game. With this basically the exact same seven people. Who worked on the original. Pretty much all of them worked on the sequel. Um, so it came out in 1988. Again, we played the PS version that came out in 2003. But this game also came out on all of the platforms later, all the remakes. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier, which is interesting, when I we said it was remade for the PlayStation, I also found out I had a version of P- uh, Final Fantasy Two on my PSP. Really? Yeah, I apparently randomly bought it one time because Final Fantasy. I never played it. I opened it up. It is another remake on top of the PlayStation version. It's an even more updated version, which is kind of interesting. If I you know, could tolerate the game more, I might have tried to play it, but we'll get to that.
0: Yeah. Tolerate is a good way to say that. It's amazing how much worse you can make something in a year and a day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that needs to make it in. <laughs>
0: We've had a whole year to make this worse.
1: And this is again, we, we, we said this in nine point five. In case you're not familiar, when we are talking about Final Fantasy two, we are talking about the original Final Fantasy two, the second Final Fantasy game that was produced by Square. The reason I specify that in in the U S. Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy, but they never brought, they didn't initially bring over two and three. So number two was actually Final Fantasy four in Japan. And so when we're talking about two, we are talking about the original two, the canonical two, however you want to look at it. This is the Japanese two. This is the second game that they created. Again, it sold pretty well. They sold, you know, 400,000 copies of the sequel right off the bat. And then they sold another 520,000 copies after that. So it, it didn't sell as well as the first game, but it did sell well. And the critics were okay with it. But the ratings weren't as high. Again, this time I couldn't find any NES ratings again because I think it didn't come over to the US really until much later. So the PlayStation version is the one we see the ratings. Game rankings had it at an 81, so higher than Final Fantasy. That's wrong. (laughs) And then Metacritic had it at a 79. So again, decent ratings, all things considered for these games.
0: Which is surprising because I feel like I would have thought that if this came to the U.S., it would have pulled an E.T. and just tanked the entire series.
1: Yeah, and they really did redesign a good chunk of this game. And We'll get into it in the mechanics section of this game, but they they did design quite a big chunk of it. They specifically, the experience system very much changed. Um, And again, we'll talk about how later, Uh, but they wanted it to be more realistic than the first game. That's how why they changed it.
0: That's what it felt like. It's funny because that, that was that's in a, a whole bunch of my notes. That is just, that's that's what it felt like, and they just, too much.
1: It's not a good thing. Yes, so that is the, you know, kind of basic background. A little bit more brief this time, but again, a lot of the same ideas as the first game on the development cycle and how they did this, how quickly it came out. So the interesting thing about two, there is more of a plot than there was in one.
0: That is very true.
1: There is actually, and the, again, this is where is the, I would say, the game mechanics of one were the bare bones of a Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. The plot devices found often in Final Fantasy was the bare bones in two. Like you can see where they were building into a bigger plot that t- that turned into our modern day Final Fantasies.
0: Yeah, it's they actually had kind of a narrative other than like get the things and get the get the fetch quests and then go. It was kind of a fetch quest that kind of actually led from here to here to here.
1: The overarching is story is, okay, so here, here's, we'll get into it. Yeah. You are, you start the game, it is four people. You, Furion, Maria, Gus, and Leon are the four characters. Right off the bat, you get killed by some guards, like, in the first moments of the game.
0: This was, it's, that's the, the, the very stereotypical uh, supposed to lose battle.
1: Yes. Um, they didn't even give you a chance. You get hit and you're you're done. And then so you wake up and you find out the pr- the princess of the town you were running away from, your hometown, helped revive you. Her and her wizard. Mindu slash Minwoo slash there's some different spellings depending on the version of the game you played he revives you you come back you find out it's just three of you it's just you the main character Firion. um, Maria and Gus Leon is MIA and then they basically are like our town was taken over by the emperor the evil emperor is taking trying to take over everything we saved your lives because we thought you deserved to live and then you're like I'm joining the rebellion against the emperor and that is the story is you're trying to defeat the emperor That is the overarching plot. There's, It's not really grander than that. It becomes grander because he's like an epic boss eventually. It really is that you want to beat the emperor and take your hometown back and then possibly go beyond that.
0: You know about the rebellion against the empire?
1: Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Yes, got it. (laughs) So you go in, you... Do a bunch of fetch quests, you basically go and talk to random people, you start freeing towns from it, and you basically go through and you slowly free things and open things up. I'm going to try to skim the details. The interesting thing, and we'll get into the mechanic of this, is you are a three party team the whole time. And you get added fourth players throughout the game. You can actually get a bunch of different people to join your party at various points in the game. And sometimes they're really overpowered, not overpowered, but they're very powerful.
0: They're very powerful, yeah.
1: It was really cool to have some of these really powerful characters join your party really early in the game. Like Mindu, the the wizard, the, the court wizard joined you yeah. at one point. And you basically go through... And you are still looking for Maria's brother, Leon, but you're also freeing things and you're doing missions against the Empire. You find out the Empire is building a dreadnought. And so that's where Sid, the first time Sid makes an appearance in Final Fantasy, and he's in every Final Fantasy after that, I'm pretty sure. So, hey, it's Sid! Or here for the first time.
0: <laughs> and he
1: has an airship, but but the dreadnought basically could destroy the world. And so you have to destroy the dreadnought. And you basically go through and try to beat the Emperor. And that's kind of the whole plot. You find out lots of people die for you in this game.
0: Well, I was going to say, as as soon as the Dreadnought is completed, spoilers, the Dreadnought is completed and then just ravages all of the towns that you've been yep. in so far.
1: Which was kind of interesting. Well, like, so they they have like explosions all over them, which is kind of yeah. funny. But like legit, like you meet Yosef at one point and he gets run rolled over by a boulder for you to protect you. And then later on, because then Gordon, who is his older brother, is one of the people who died. He joined your party and he's pathetic and weak and he's useless. We hated him.
0: Yeah. So all of these, all of these Scott fantasy, the all the of these named. fantasy names, like, Gus, and then Maria, just like Scott, Gordon, yeah, Scott and Gordon.
1: So basically like. Yosef ends up dying for you and then Gordon joins your party then he leaves then you meet Layla who's a pirate who tries to kill you when you beat her she's like oh you beat me so we're best friends now
0: that's how it works come on
1: yeah she eventually goes missing and then you get a dragoon to join you which is uh, a a dragon knight essentially and so he ends up dying so that you can run away and then you never get Mindu back in your party you try to find Mindu and then he ends up dying everyone dies for you. And then the funny part about that is then your party's just like, Oh, he's dead. How sad time to move on.
0: That was so jarring. There was, I think uh, when, when Scott, one of the princes, and I think you would, you would kind of warn me about this. You find Scott, the prince, and he, he gets up from his secret hiding place. And he's like, tell tell my sister or...
1: No, tell Hilda wife, I yeah, love Yeah, you know, my,
0: my, my fiancé. It's like, tell her I love her. Bleh. And then just like falls over. It's like, I am bled
1: Yeah, no, essentially. And they all end up doing those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, then you
0: get you- then you get the one item from him and yeah, it gives you the, the big, the triumphant music. And yeah. it's like, you literally just watched uh, the, the crown prince die or the soon-to-be prince die. And it's like... Oh, no. Oh, a ring. Wee! It's like, oh, that's, that's an awful, jarring, tonal shift.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so basically you go through, you end up destroying the Dreadnought, but then a tornado that is controlled by the Emperor ends up actually destroying every town. Like, you can't enter the towns anymore because he actually destroys them all with a cyclone he controls. <laughs> And that kills Sid. So Sid dies and gives you his airship. I'm telling you, a lot of people die for you. Good Lord. And then you beat the Emperor. And you're like, Yay, I beat the Emperor. And then they're like, You get back to the princess. You're like, We beat the Emperor. And you literally have a dance party. They legit dance. Like you watch your <laughs> characters do a little dance.
0: But it's like pride and prejudice. <laughs> yes,
1: it is like ballroom dancing. dancing. So yes. Like, and then a knight comes in, like one of the guards comes in, and it's like, the Black Knight, who you've met a couple of times in the game, but yeah. I was gonna fought. say that's
0: they set that up early, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, you meet the Black Knight a couple of times, and then at, at one point in the game, when in the in the Dreadnought, you you're about to blow it up, and he says something, and Maria's like, "Leon," and then you have to leave.
0: Oh. Yeah.
1: See again the the, the bare bones of a Final Fantasy game. Yeah. So of course the Dark Knight turns out is her brother all along. Bah, bah, bah. And so he has taken the emperor's throne. And so you have to go fight him. And so you go to fight him and you show up and he's like, might equals power. I deserve this. I am now the emperor. And you're like, oh, and Maria's like, please don't fight. I love you. (laughs) And then I wish I was joking. (gasps) And then the emperor comes back, the one you killed, and he's more of a lich now. And he's just like, "Lols, Leon, you thought you were good. Bam, I'm emperor back. Bah! And then he goes into his like castle in the oh, sky. Hell. He's back from hell,
0: and then Leon has to pick up the emperor. Yes. and he's getting <laughs> shot by lightning and <laughs> throws him over a cliff and and asks the main character to take off his mask one last time.
1: Yeah. So 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 then of course. What are we doing, <laughs> Leon? Of course, Leon joins your party after that to defeat the emperor a final time and then you you go and beat him and then you're he's like how could this happen you literally go through hell to get to him by the way (laughs) they're like you're entering hell like there's a sign in the dungeon so so then basically yeah so that's how you beat the game and then that's at the end Hilda is is princess Gordon is randomly her king so basically, yeah, that is the basic plot of the game. Another thing that they, they really skim over throughout the whole game, which is the plot and the story I really wanted to get into, is the fact that Gus doesn't speak properly English. He cannot speak English properly. He, like, speaks in, like, half sentences. But more importantly, he speaks animal.
0: Yeah. Let, let's not overlook this. He speaks animal. And, or specifically, he speaks beaver
1: yeah he actually at one point in the game uh, yeah they look like otters to me but at one point in the game you go into a I room wish. That's full of beavers genuinely in the middle of a dungeon in the middle of the it's dungeon. just full of beavers and you go to talk to one and it's like hur-mur-mur, and gus is like i got this Pam. i could
0: speak animal it's like and, and what you're like,
1: i'm sorry what and then he goes up talks to it and then he's like it told us that we need to go over there and that's it. And they never talk about it again. We never no. discuss again that Gus speaks animal. So that is the really, really basic plot of Final Fantasy 2. It is actually more of a plot, in my opinion. So we've alluded to it before. We talked about the experience system. Chris, tell me how they redesigned everything in the worst way possible and a- abandoned it after this game for a reason
0: they completely changed the experience system. So in in Final Fantasy, the original, and literally every other Final Fantasy moving forward, the way you gain experience is by killing enemies. And that's it. That's all you had to do. Kill enemies, get experience. And when you get experience, eventually you level up, which means you have more health, more MP, and you're stronger. In this game they broke out all of your stats into different levels and the only way to level up all of your different stats was to engage those stats
1: any of your stats
0: any of the stats so let's say that there was no experience let's let's just there's throw that no out there there's no experience there's no xp in this game so the only way to say get more health was to be attacked
1: you literally were rooting to get hit. This is the only game- Yeah,
0: I literally- One of my notes was this turned me into a masochist. Like, there was at some point in my stream where I was just like, yes, hurt me. And it was just like, oh, that's a really weird, creepy thing to say. <laughs> yes, yes. Punch me in the face. <laughs> like things like, and it wasn't even attack. So you had to lose a certain amount of health yeah. to get more health, essentially.
1: So yeah, basically, yeah, in order to, let's say, raise up your sword skills, you had to hit something with a sword. It, or, which is or fine. Make the attempt that's, at it.
0: That's it, fine. I'm okay with that, but In keep order going. to
1: raise your MP, you had to use your MP, which is both good and bad, But because then you'd run out so quickly, then you can't raise it anymore.
0: Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's put a pin. Oh, God, I'm, I'm using all these stupid... Uh, business jargon terms, and let's I hate myself for it. Let's let's put a pin in that for a second. Circle back around. So in, in modern games, when you level up, you get full health and full MP. That is just a thing that you take as read. In Final Fantasy, the original, and Final Fantasy two, when that happened, when you leveled up anything, you did not get a refill. So like
1: you get nothing,
0: you get, you get nothing. Good day, sir.
1: So it, you, it was both an advantage to level up, but then you'd be like, cool, I have 10 extra MP slots that are empty.
0: Yeah, which is fine because you could, is you it? know, you could, you could, well, at least you could get them refilled in dead and in.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we are back to traditional MP in this game. Yes. Um, what we yes. know is MP. That is something that does come up, come like with it. So you have more traditional spells, a lot more spells in this case. Yeah. But. And so basically, as they, as I said at the beginning that they were trying to make this game more realistic, the way they said it is the idea of the way to get good at a sword is use it over and over and over again. The way to get sure. good at a magic is use it over and over again. So that's where this was based on. And in concept, it's a really cool idea.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Uh, yeah, it, in execution, it is not. No. Because it was such a slow process. Because literally, this was something like it was... 0 out of a 100 is where you would start. So Mm -hmm. level 1-0, you need a 100 to get to 2. Yeah. Hitting someone once gave you 1. So you'd have these battles where maybe you'd get 3 experience for your sword per battle. Mm -hmm. Or 1 if you were unlucky in that sense. And so it would have, as long as it took us to get through things, if we tried to do it 100% authentically and we'll get to how we didn't, it would have been brutal. Yeah. Just, and then the other thing about the system is, because, I guess because in the real world, if you focus so much on something, you get worse at other things, which, no.
0: That drove me crazy. Oh my God. That was the worst. And that's again, part of my grinding personality, but yes, yes, as as would go ahead and explain what you're about to explain and I'll lose my mind again.
1: So it basically was it wanted you to specialize to a certain extent. So if your strength went up, your intelligence, which influenced your magic, went down <laughs> or vice versa. If your intelligence goes up, your strength goes down. But the thing is, A, that's dumb. B, the way this game is built, you cannot rely on one person to be your sole magic user. Yeah. Just because you would not survive. And so because of that, you're trying to balance not losing too much strength, but not being too dumb, but not to, like, eventually it didn't matter as much once you get to the later end games and your stats were high enough that it didn't matter as much. But the idea that, like, if you're going to let that happen, and that's fine, but then give me more, like, balance in the party, or let me just level up as a whole, because that was the thing. I'm not leveling up if I'm only doing defensive spells in the back my hp is never going up ever 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 because if you don't get hit ever you won't go up ever
0: well so that's what i ran into because at some point you was like all right it's like i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy new armor and then i got to the point where i bought new armor and enemies wouldn't do me any damage which means i can't level up my hp and you could probably speak more to this since i didn't make it very far I, I say I didn't make it far. I played the game for 15 hours, yeah, or whatever. But, like, they didn't want you to grind, but they made the early game so hard. Like, you got no gill early on.
1: I, again, back to that rags of riches. So, coming to all this, Producer Kyle and I looked up of, like, how to survive this game, basically, because it was rated so badly, and we just want to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And there was basically a highly recommended by pretty much every guide we read, an exploit, a bug, that basically, you don't actually have to hit someone with something to get the experience, you just have to push forward the action enough that it is registered to the character. Right. So what you can do in every single battle, because it goes sequentially through all of your characters, Mm -hmm. you'd go, yes, like for example, Furion, I'd say hit yes, go to Maria. And then if you back up and go back to Furion.
0: Because that's the thing you, you could do, by the way. You can yeah. you can reverse your, like, and, and it's you nice because it's like, all right, I didn't mean to do that. Let's go back yeah, and redo exactly. that. And that's why it's
1: there. But then you could basically do that over and over and over and over and over again and actually level up. You could do that a hundred times and level them up one level every single battle. Yeah. We didn't really do that with Furion because naturally you're going to use your sword or whatever weapon more often but for the magic there are certain spells you're not going to use in everyday occasions and so you literally would be like okay here's cure i don't want cure one i want cure like five so it actually does something let me do it a hundred times this battle so it goes up a level and so you'd go okay maria cure yes okay back cure yes okay back cure yes okay back and you do that a hundred times and it works now you can only do one level per spell per battle yeah but it freaking worked. So there's the exploit, but here's the thing. And, and you say you they don't encourage you to, to use the exploit or to grind, except there are certain situations where realistically producer Kyle and I cannot figure out how you would get there as an authentic way. Like oh, for yeah. example, there's a Suna, which is the spell that in typical Final Fantasy games and fantasy games, it cures ailments. Correct. Negative status ailment. But the thing is, what they never tell you in the game is that Asuna does not work on all of the ailments at level one.
0: That's right.
1: It only works on poison and only outside of battle, because the way it works is you have to be one level above where it normally would be for it to work. So example, you could start curing stone at five.
0: Five? That's
1: the point, at oh. five. But you can't cure stone in battle until six.
0: Ugh. And those items, by the way, will bankrupt you. Yes. To cure those.
1: Because they're like 5,000 gil. Yeah. And so the thing is, though, you cannot cast Asuna on a healthy Team member outside of battle, right? So, the only way to do it is if you were to be cast knowingly casting a Suna mm-hmm. on a team member in battle, knowing it will do nothing, most likely because you don't get status ailments all that often. No, and you have to do it at least 500 times. T- No, no, 500, 500 times. 500 to get rid of stone, your yeah, stone. That is not something that would ever happen in a normal playthrough naturally, because you would never think that, because they don't explain that to you. And that's where I have a problem. That's why I didn't feel guilty doing this exploit after a while, because literally, you can't play this game otherwise, in my opinion.
0: It's like they built up these mechanics, they they made the game with those, and then, as you said, they play tested them. But it's just like, or didn't play test them, because there's you know there's only like seven people, and it's like oh. This doesn't work out when you go, like, three or four levels beyond when our design doc was designed for.
1: And by the way, every single spell can go up 16 levels.
0: Holy cow.
1: So that means (sighs) to fully level up a spell, you need to do it 1,600 times. Huh? 1,500 times.
0: Oh, I was about to say congratulations on the math. And then you messed up the <laughs> math.
1: Shut up. <laughs> Damn it, producer Kyle. <laughs> he wouldn't have noticed. It's too late at night.
0: Duh.
1: Anyway, back to the point. So basically, this is the huge mechanic change that they were so proud of, apparently, ...that never appeared in any other Final Fantasy game ever again for a reason.
0: It's so weird, because it's like they just swung so far. Like, the pendulum swung totally on the other side.
1: Credit. High potions have appeared. Elixirs have appeared. ethers have appeared.
0: That's in my notes. Oh, look! High potions!
1: I'm pretty sure our notes are almost exactly the same. (laughs) The other thing that's changed is saving you no longer have to do it at the inn you can save in the overworld anywhere in the overworld so that's been really nice it's free to save then and the overworld is obviously way more present it's still stuff tough in dungeons but it's a lot better i really liked the idea that we had a rotating party member that was kind of clever
0: which could also back you into a corner with this leveling system which which you see in a lot of games
1: the one thing is, again, because of the way the exploit works is you can't, because you cannot change the order your characters are in. They come right. as they are. So you can't actually use the exploit on your fourth character. And that is the good news. It is impossible to do so the way it's designed.
0: Which is fine because 90% of the time, those are characters that are incredibly high leveled.
1: Or at least decent.
0: Or at least decent. Unless you're Gordon. Gordon.
1: Because Gordon literally describes himself when you first meet him as a coward, and yeah. he's right. He's the worst.
0: So the problem is if you're not expecting it, you rely on this extra team member that essentially takes it well, he's steal is essentially is taking XP from the rest of your team. Yeah. Because he's doing all the damage and using all the MP. And then we'll leave at some point. And if you're definitely not paying attention you'll upgrade this person with with items and armor and then they just leave and it's gone well, I mean this is this is a this is a common trope in later games where you get guest characters and they leave so fortunately I think both of us were were pretty good at stripping them uh, yeah just at least not investing too much in these guest characters or literally pushing them aside I know I pushed most of them aside until I needed them in dungeons and stuff like that.
1: I yeah, um, it, but it was still an interesting mechanic to bring someone new in, someone oh, different yeah. in to bring it in. So
0: well, especially compared to the the previous game,
1: right? So you know, I am trying to give credit to the game where there were interesting pieces and interesting changes that they brought about. I will say, when it comes to improving your MP, producer Kyle and I accidentally fell on a great way of improving your MP in in the late game stages because eventually you can get a spell called Osmos which is you get to absorb the MP of an enemy.
0: Ooh.
1: But that's the interesting thing with when it comes to vampires in particular. There were different types of vampires. Undead in general, they, whenever they hit a player, would suck the life out of you.
0: Ooh, okay. So,
1: so if you used anything like absorb or osmos, or there's actually a weapon that absorbs HP, it reverses it. Mm. So... If you're not paying attention and it's an enemy you don't recognize and you accidentally Osmos it, you can literally lose because we had basically a level like 9 or 10 Osmos and was like, oh, Osmos the party. And it's like, oh, you lost all 200 of your MP in one Nice. And it was like, oh, well, we know at the end of this round we're getting an MP
0: boost. (laughs) You know what we haven't talked about in either of these games, really? The music or the character design slash sprites. So let's let's touch on that because yes. we are we are going long in this episode. This is what we get for playing two 30-hour games. It seemed like a good idea at the time.
1: So, yes, I uh, well, uh, we're going to we're going to take a break from complaining about two for a moment and talk about some elements that were common between the two games that literally came uh, not literally that really started reappearing more and more in the rest of the series, the music and the artistic style in general. Yes. The victory song, the do 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 do, appeared in the very first game. I mm-hmm. verified it in the original NES version. Oh yeah! It, amazing, amazing that that is something that has been with the game since the start. From and the, the music start. in general was really good. Like, yeah, you got a little crazy <clears throat> of the battle music because you listened to it on repeat for hours.
0: Well, that just happens in RPGs.
1: But it's it's it, it, it's a really enjoyable, and so that's great. The artistic style, like the sprites and, and the character faces you get in the later, in the PS1 versions.
0: It, yeah. And that the second game went to, yeah. because Final Fantasy had just basic 8-bit sprites of the entire yeah. character. But then in Final Fantasy 2, as you said, they had portraits.
1: Yeah. And there were some weird ones, Yosef. But like, you look at, the, it's funny, you look at the portrait of like Furion and it's a really epic portrait it's, yeah. it's it's um but the artistic style the sprites were really even though they were just sprites they were unique for your heroes they were very identifiable the dragoon the looks like a classic dragoon like that's what you expect he is a dragon knight like you you got the armor and everything like these are things it's that they this... brought into the game the you look at even in the original nes version of final fantasy the lich looks so cool oh and, yeah and that's what we now base all of our a lot of our ideas on what a lich looks like. Are those kind of elements? And that, like we talked about in the nine point five, that you know black nu- or black mages always look the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Something like the lich is how it always ended up looking like. And again, they might have been influenced, and they definitely had D and D influence. But it's so cool to see that, you know. And that's something that you've come to expect for Final Fantasy games. Again, the, mm. the the bare bones of what a Final Fantasy game is were in both of these games, for sure. I think another thing is, I, I kind of want to quickly list off the things especially in two that ended up becoming staples of the series, you had your first encounter with Sid. You meet your mm-hmm. first Chocobo in this game, which was a very exciting moment because it was late at night when I did it. And literally my notes are like, oh my God, a Chocobo. I even tweeted about it. I was like, my first Chocobo sighting.
0: I just missed it. I was literally right there when, when I stopped yeah. playing too.
1: So though you only use it like the one time because it's just the one forest and you can ride it around and it avoids battles and then you get off of it and it's gone forever. So the only way to get another one is go back to that one forest. Nice. But it's there. Two
0: two and a couple of those, like the, the the ice vehicle and stuff like that. Yes.
1: But the, the point is, it was there, and you ran into yeah. it. And then, the, the it's funny, we ran into these green, the what what we know in modern Final Fantasy as the bombs are red. We see a green version, it's a balloon. And then yeah. there's a mine that's a gray version. And then we ran into the bomb in the late stage of the red version. And it's things like that. It's ribbons. We're in Final Fantasy 1, Two, you could get a ribbon, which is mm-hmm. an accessory that is known as one of the best accessories in the game from the start. You had um, Masumune is the best sword in the game. And, like... In both one and two, mm-hmm. Masamune is the best sword, and that's kind of interesting. In later games, uh, if people I wasn't aware until I started looking it up because I, I know it's a legendary sword. Because then the other sword you can get is Excalibur, another right. legendary sword, right? But Masamune is what Sephiroth ends up using, I believe. Is he uses Masamune? So you never get it in Final Fantasy VII because Sephiroth has the best sword in the game. It is cool to see the bare bones of. Final Fantasy in this game.
0: It, it was very cool. It was very frustrating to play through these games at times, especially in the early games of both of these.
1: The, I As much as we are crapping on Final Fantasy 2, and it drove us nuts, and, and I don't blame you for not finishing it, we forced ourselves to finish it. We had to do one last, like it was a seven-hour grind session to beat the oh, game. Oh, jeez. So, uh, Producer Kyle literally started at like 1 p.m., and then went until we finished at like 8.30. It was brutal to finally do Cause we thought we were on the final like two chapters and it, mm-hmm. it took us that long.
0: I do want to go back. Like part of me wants to go back and finish as, as awful as the leveling was in two. I thought that the, the story was way better and, and way more engaging.
1: I, as much as I'm crapping on this game, there were the bare bones. There were elements. Again, I think in both games, once you got towards the end game, it was more enjoyable and more tolerable. Yeah. I think is what both producer Kyle and I had. But I think we have talked way too long on both of these games. Let's do scores. Let's start with Final Fantasy One. Out of ten, what do you give Final Fantasy One?
0: You know, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. I think in my notes, I compared it to doing an Iron Man. I hated it at the time, or at least running up to it, but when I look back on it, I was like, you know what, that wasn't bad. I could see, and I think part of it is when you get used to the the newer versions, going back to the very unrefined was was quite rough, and as we said, the early game was awful, but story was bad, mechanics were a, a little bit basic, the NES version was... I'm just saying all these reasons why you shouldn't give it an eight out of ten. So
1: what you're saying is you've already rose tinted. I've rose tinted a game
0: I literally just played. Can I can I go back? Yeah. I would say well, thankfully I didn't play the NES version. The NES version would get like a five because if nothing else, the text speed was so bad. If you leveled up in the NES version, it would take about five minutes to just get <laughs> through the text. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it yeah we'll go we'll go a seven. I'll knock it down from an eight to a seven. How bold of me.
1: Good lord. I think this this definitely confirms the fact that of the two of us, I'm the a- <laughs> This
0: is this is news.
1: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm giving this game a six out of ten.
0: Oh, how daring of you to go one less than I did.
1: I'm I going two less than your initial excuse. Well, you.
0: that's fair.
1: Because at the end of the day, I, I do see the bare bones of what a, a turn-based RPG was. Yeah. It had moments. It wasn't perfect. It was it was tough at times, but it was the kind of grinding I'm used to. That is the difference is I'm used to a grind where you just have to battle, battle, battle sometimes. It's annoying, but you do it. On the other side.
0: Hold on. I'm, I'm literally going back again because I keep remembering that I'm supposed to be grading these games in a modern sense.
1: Yes. Because I we know. just played because them. That's
0: literally the point of what we're doing. Uh I am the worst. Yes. <laughs> uh I see what they are trying to do. <laughs> there's no way we could we could just edit all of that out. Just
1: I mean we will.
0: me make me look like a gigantic flake.
1: No, what, yeah, what, what's gonna be edited is I'm gonna give it an eight.
0: I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it. Ten
1: minutes later. <laughs> I'm going to give it a seven. Ugh. Five minutes later.
0: <laughs> oh, gonna God. You're going to give it a. I'm going to give it a. Oh, God. I should have thought about this half times. time. I'm actually going to give it a five and a half. <laughs> I know. I, I'm going wildly because, as you said, I literally was putting rose tinted glasses on a game that I just played. <laughs> and as I described it, it was awful at the time, but literally as soon as I finished it, I liked it, which is not a good way to judge games. What are you going to give it? I, I know you it already said it. I'm you not going to change it. it. Ah, I'm no. not going to
1: change it. So, we're gonna, so I feel like out of for Final Fantasy 2 you're only allowed to score it out of like a five.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You played about half the game. No, what would you give out of what you played to Final Fantasy two? and we will have the caveat that you didn't finish the game. What would you give Final Fantasy
0: two? <sighs> I mean, I, I, can't, I can't give it higher than what I gave Final Fantasy 1. Like, I'm, I'm gonna give it a, a five. Like, compared to new games, I know what they were going for with the leveling system, but I think they completely went in the wrong direction for the items. The item system was awful the leveling system had good intentions, was awful in execution. The fact that you needed to use an exploit to make it playable in any sense, it just, it's not great. I thought the, you know, the story was better, but it was just hard to play. When when you literally have to look up how to get around the mechanics of the game. What about you? What are you going to give? you? You played the whole game. What are you going to give Final Fantasy 2?
1: I'm going to give it a four and a half because, and that's really a good, like I give it like for me personally, that Mm -hmm. half is only there because the plot was much better and I enjoyed it. And there were elements that were big improvements that ended up staying with the series forever, but it was such a painful game to play through. It was such a painful, it was hard to look at a game and know that the only way to play was to exploit it. And that just felt wrong.
0: That's not how you're supposed to play video games. It's like, it's, it's against the nature of video games,
1: right? And the thing is, you and I—you more than me—but you and I both know that grinding is part of RPGs, and we don't mind it. We accept it. I will grind for fun sometimes because sometimes it's worth it.
0: I'll grind forever.
1: This is not grinding. This, this was, was the exploding.
0: anti-grinding. Yeah. And
1: I I didn't I didn't like it, and I it just it made me it made me angry.
0: It actively punished you for trying to grind.
1: It did. It really, really did. So four and a half. I think that kind of puts our final verdicts. I think play like a little bit if you want to experience it.
0: I, I was going to say, should, what what is your recommendation? Should, should yeah. people go back and play it?
1: I, I'm sorry to anyone who loved these games. I don't think you should go back and play it unless you are a hardcore fan who has to experience all the games. And maybe you've already done so if you are, because this is just tough.
0: I'd say play one. I, I'd say play one on the PlayStation definitely don't play the Nintendo version because the Nintendo version was rough I I would say if you really want to see the background of these games slog through one and, and I say slog and like just just do it just pull the sleeves up roll the roll the pants up and, and go get it done go dive in yeah.
1: So I think it's a good way to, I think it's a good time to wrap things up on those notes. At the end of the day, Chris gave Final Fantasy a five and a half out of ten. I eventually. It, eventually. I gave it a six out of ten. Chris gave Final Fantasy two for what he played of it, a five out of ten. I gave Final Fantasy two a four and a half out of ten. It was, it was a slog. We're not doing two Final Fantasies per episode for the next time around. Oh God, No. We won't survive it. Uh, But thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope you enjoyed some of our misery. Next episode should be a lot more fun. It's a lot shorter game on a kind of really different, uh, a different way of doing the game. We are going to be playing what game, Chris?
0: We're going to be playing Donkey Kong Country for the Super Nintendo. So it'll be more exciting, probably just as frustrating, but in a different way.
1: With a special guest feature, of producer Lisa, because she always appears, but now it's a guest feature. Yes, of producer Lisa. So thank you for joining us. Subscribe to the podcast, like the pages, talk to us online, talk to us on social media. We're at GWGW Show everywhere. We want to talk to you. We're clearly going crazy playing these games, so please help us out. And again, thank you so much. Talk to us. Talk to us. We we want to talk to you all. And otherwise, I think it's time to say goodbye, Cloud.
0: Goodbye, Chris. <laughs> I-
1: <laughs> he wasn't ready. No, I Yay! wasn't ready.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, well done. Well done, sister mine.
1: <laughs> you got me in one episode, or that one part I got you in another. It's fine. <laughs> Bye, lisa oh
0: uh, goodbye i'm sleepy what is that it my was, hoodie yeah i was cold before oh <laughs> <laughs>